Welcome to the Digital Families Podcast. I'm Leonie Smith, sometimes known as the Cyber Safety Lady. I'm a cyber safety educator, and this podcast is all about learning how to use the digital technology in our homes with more safety and balance. My guest today is Jackie Lou Stow from Cinch, as in it's a cinch, a cybersecurity professional, a woman in security champion. She sounds like a superwoman. The founder of Australian Women in Security Network, a community builder, and an advocate for small business security. And that's why we're here today to talk about cybersecurity for small businesses. You may be running your small business now from home, meaning things could be, look quite different for you. You could be using your own home devices, your home network, um, you may have your, your office laptop at home. So let's find out from Jackie what we need to know about this space at this time and how the company she works for might fit in with that as well. So welcome to the Digital Families podcast, Jackie. Thank you for having me, Leonie. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, Jackie, superwoman cyber person. What led you to be involved in cybersecurity? <laughs> I have to say that it's, it's actually an accident that I fell into security oh. like a lot of people. Like me. Um, I, <laughs> like you, exactly. Yeah. I always loved technology. I was a really fast typer. And when it came to deciding what I wanted to do in my life, yeah. I said, well, I like computers. I can type fast. Let's get into technology. What, what's, your word, what's your word per minute speed? Oh, I don't know what it is now. It must be like, I don't know, 90 or 100 um, words oh. per minute. Well yeah. done. So I, I, <laughs> yes, quite... but is that, is that, that with accuracy? <laughs> yeah, probably not now. <laughs> um, so I decided that I wanted to get into technology and I studied information security, uh, information systems. Mm-hmm. And then I decided that I wanted to go overseas for a little bit. I got a job um, working at a help desk to try mm-hmm. and earn a bit of money for my travels. Yep. They said to me... Oh. That's the yeah. worst job in the world, isn't it? Working for, <laughs> Working for a help desk. It was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it gave me a really good base, actually. That's why I really loved it. Well, it helps you base. understand what ordinary, everyday people have problems with. If exactly. that's who you were helping. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and how to explain that... it in language that they can understand if you can't completely take over their computer with team viewer or something exactly no and it was always like okay have you rebooted oh, oh <laughs> yes uh, yeah number exactly one. yeah the number one thing uh switch it on switch it off again oh. or the other way around <laughs> yes but um they moved they wanted to move the help desk to ireland and i didn't want to move to ireland so they said look we really want to keep you would you what would you like to do we want to keep you in London. What do you want to do? And I said, well, maybe be a consultant. That sounds pretty cool. And they said, mm-hmm. okay, we'll put you on a six-week intensive training course where I learned about networking and security, project management. It was the worst six weeks of my life, I think. Oh. It was so intense. <laughs> so at the end of it, I got my CCNA, I got Microsoft certifications and then um, you know, my SAN security certificate. And they said, look, 
Now you can choose. Do you want to do networking or security? And I said, I don't know what security is. How long ago was this? This was in 2001. I bet there weren't too many women doing this particular job that you were doing at that time. There was two of us in my company. Yeah. Out of how many? Um, In our team, there were about 20 consultants. Yeah. 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 That's a whole other story, I bet. It's another story, yes. I haven't told that story many times, actually, so that'll be an interesting one, maybe for another podcast. Yes, that's right. (laughs) But anyway, I thought that security was really interesting, so I jumped right in and I haven't looked back since then. And here you are. Yep, and I've worked in many different um, countries in Europe. Um, I, I worked in London for seven years. I worked in Paris for seven years, doing lots of different implementations across Europe. And then I decided to move back to Australia. And so I've been back here now for six years. So I was working at NBN um, and ANZ. And then I decided, you know, I really want to help small businesses because I see that they're the ones that really need help. Mm-hmm. So I um, found out about Cinch and I really loved mm-hmm. what they're doing, they're trying to do. So I decided to leave ANZ um, in that, my position over there, which was um, head of security influence and um, behaviours. And I moved over just a month ago to Cinch. Yeah. So speaking of small, small business, it's how, actually how I got into cyber safety, teaching women in small business Security, very basic security. But it was something I insisted on doing because I kept seeing some huge mistakes that they were making, particularly around social media, where they would be using a personal profile for business. Um, And women were getting uh, their clients all harvested from their social media pages where people would friend them and then click and send a friend request to every single friend on their friends list and then offer them a better deal or undercut them. That's how it kind of started. So we started with Facebook privacy settings. Then I'd have a look at their passwords. Passwords. Fine, they were using the same password across all their accounts. Or putting one classic occasion was a woman who had her passwords on a Word document on her desktop on the computer that had no password protection on it whatsoever. So that's just, Uh you know, lose your computer and you've, you've lost the lot and all that kind of stuff. So it's what started me off writing a blog just to help ordinary people sort through this stuff because there really wasn't anyone doing it back in 2000 and I think it was 2000, end of 2010 and 11. So what this podcast is about today is to talk to you about the issues that you're seeing for small business and what they need to be alert for and what they can do to help themselves alleviate the extra risks that we're facing at the moment. So um, we're hearing from places like Scamwatch um, that there is a massive increase in cybercrime at the moment. In fact, I read something this morning saying that there's some state actors trying to hack into our medical records Not online. Sure. What are you seeing, Jackie, as the main issues for small business owners who may now be working from home on uh, maybe even personal computers and certainly personal networks? Yeah, that's exactly it, Leon. We came into this whole COVID-19 situation and well, crisis very quickly so people that were working in offices they had to quickly you know start working remotely from home and a lot of them didn't have potentially um, work devices that they could actually come home with 
a lot of them may have you know PCs in their office. So we're finding that some people are having to revert to using their personal computers in their home environment. Mm-hmm. And given what we're doing at the moment with all the different technologies, you can imagine that in some households, that person is using it for their work, they're using it for personal, and they may be using it also for the kids doing homeschooling as well. Mm. You have a, have a home environment where people are using that one device for multiple different reasons. And for small business owners, if they actually are in that kind of situation, it makes it, first of all, really hard for them to do their work if, you know, their school kids are trying to do their work, but also it brings um, about a lot of other different risks as well. Mm-hmm. So when, if you can imagine you using your, comp- your computer for doing um, your, your work, um, mm-hmm. you're receiving an email that might have come um, in terms of something personal. So a lot of what's happened, the scams that we're seeing at the moment is that they're targeting people that are, you know, looking for information about, okay, what's happening with the coronavirus? Um, They're looking for information about, okay, what best platform can I use to communicate with people? So like Zoom, um, looking for different packages for, you know, to um, information about the the latest relief funds, for example. And a lot of... Bitcoin is a big one at the moment. Bitcoin as well. My husband's been absolutely flooded with uh, scam emails around Bitcoin and coronavirus, any kind of anything to get the attention, anything to get your attention. And they are getting our attention because we're getting inundated with a lot of information. We're searching for information all the time. Um, and we're lonely as well. So the one that I was reading about just this week was about the puppies. Did you see this one, Leonie? That's it. This one? Yeah, is that the puppy yeah. scam where you, you buy a puppy online and it never arrives? Exactly. Yeah. I know, it's actually but... been around for a long time, years yes. and years, that one. But because there's uh, an increase in people actually buying puppies at the moment for loneliness, as you were saying, it's come to the fore again. Exactly. And it's actually five times higher than average at the moment. And um, Australians mm-hmm. have lost actually 300,000 um already this year to puppy scams, which is really sad because they, they're relying on the fact that you can't go and actually have a look at the puppy and they say, okay, we're going we're gonna to pay extra money, um, charge you extra money to actually have your puppy delivered. And so um, unknowingly people are actually, you know, not getting their puppy um, and handing over their bank account details. Yeah. So... Um, my point with the whole um, scams is that um, a lot of information is coming into our inboxes. We're going to websites that we might not have uh, uh, visited in the past, and that also bring that so that brings risks. So you've got um, people clicking on potentially uh, malicious attachments or malicious links, and that's downloading um, unwanted software onto your computer that you're using for personal, but also for work. So that's where this risk has actually really um, you increased. Know, increased because we're actually using that one device for multiple different reasons and it makes it quite a risk for a lot of um, small businesses that may be using those devices. Yeah. So if somebody has brought a, a work device home, mm-hmm. a work laptop, but they're using the home network, is that a problem also? Yes, so they're... Pl- 
plugging their computer into a home network that potentially you don't know what else is actually into in that network. And also with routers, um, depending on what kind of router you have, that can also bring another level of risk. So if you have bought a router, you know, at the internet or at a shop, for example, a lot of the time people just plug it in and expect it to work. But there's a few, you know, configurations that you need to, to check to make sure that that router is secure. For example, to make sure that the admin password is not set to the default password. Which is usually admin. <laughs> Which is usually admin. A-D-M-I-N, admin. Exactly. Admin, admin. <laughs> admin. Correct. Um, a lot of people, though, think that it's just the Wi-Fi password that you need to reset. They don't realise that there's actually a password to log on to the router itself, and that mm-hmm. always is the default. And that is the weakest link into a home network if you have not reset Why? What To explain what happens, if somebody, how can somebody hack into your, your, your router in that way without giving information away to would-be hackers? <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of, if you've turned on remote um, access as well, so a lot of it, sometimes those routers will, you know, have that open by default as well. If they actually that know that that pass, oh, sorry, um, if people can remotely access your router from somewhere else, another location, then um, that's allowing people to actually come into those devices. And it's the same thing for any um, Internet of Things devices. So, for example, if you have, you know, um, your baby monitors or your surveillance cameras, they also have usually the default password as well. And Mm. if any of those are open or not locked down, then somebody, uh, a hacker, can actually come in via one of those devices. Is that like likely? I mean, a lot of people, when I talk to them about this thing, particularly the baby monitor hacking, which mm-hmm. has been going on for years, they kind of look at me like, oh, that's never going to happen. Are you so finding it's happening more now? Or is, I mean, is that realistic that that, would, that might happen to someone? There are vulnerabilities in a lot of, certain models of of these devices so certain um, surveillance cameras do have these vulnerabilities mm-hmm. and there's websites out there that tell you exactly how to get into those devices so and there's also websites that tell you which that it actually scans the network and it can actually see um who where the, these cameras are or where these vulnerable um, routers yeah. are as well so yeah Yep, there are websites out there that have live feeds from various cameras all over the world, including in babies' rooms. Which um, is very ring, scary. Yes. ring the doorbell, Amazon doorbell company. They're now on <laughs> Amazon had a, had a similar issue with those types of things. Okay, so so lesson one is change all your passwords over to unguessable passwords. The longer, the better. Passphrase, something like that. Um, for the those of you who... hmm? oh, sorry. Yes. Continue. Yes, 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 yes. yes. One of the the things that I found with a lot of people when I was doing home visits going in to help people with um, cyber safety was they often had a very, very old dusty modem hidden behind a cupboard somewhere and they'd lost the password to it. They'd lost all the the booklet that came with it. Mm. so how often should you update your, your router or your modem rather than waiting for it to, to, to burn out and collapse? Is that something that people should do regularly? I wouldn't say regularly, but to know if the, 
if that particular model isn't no is no longer being serviced in terms of that manufacturer updating the software that's on that modem or router or device then i would recommend highly that you would replace it yeah because that was the second point i was going to make make sure if you do have a router that that software is updated updated yes. the latest um what we call firmware which is the software yeah. within that hardware device and that's jackie it's n- i've never understood why they don't do that automatically because yeah. um the one of the reasons i do mine <clears throat> is because i'm hoping to get a better connection or more speed right <laughs> Exactly. That's why most people get a get a router, a new router. Before I was on the NBN, I was looking for every angle, Um, (laughs) and it surprises me that they don't automatically update that firmware. So if I often say to people, update your firmware because something's not working, they're like, "How do I do that?" And and for the average person, it's an impossible task. Why don't they just automatically update the software in in modems when they do with everything else? Um, the latest models now, they are starting to do that. Um, so, yeah, because exactly that, people don't know how to get into a router and know how to update that that, that software in there. So, um, yes, my recommendation would be if it's, if it's older than, you know, a couple of years, it's probably time to update that. If it's got two inches of dust on the top. (laughs) (laughs) That's another good indication. It's time to replace it. So you're seeing pervasive scams at the moment, uh, as usual, around what's happening in the world, which is what happens. So if there's some kind of a natural disaster or or something like that, you'll find the scammers will glom onto that and they will pump out all that stuff. So what happens if um, somebody who's listening to us now has actually fallen for something, they've clicked on a link, they've gone to a website. What, are, what do they need to look for to, to ensure that their computer is clean, that some, something hasn't been downloaded? So probably the first thing would be to you know, run a, a virus checker to, to see whether or not it picks it, that up and to clean that. Um, the second thing that I would recommend is if you have transferred any money, contact your bank straight away. The faster that you contact your bank to report this, the faster they can try and actually retrieve that money back. So that's really, really important. Um, the other thing that is important to do is if you have provided them with this particular um, scam, any credentials, like if you gave a username and password or, um, or credit card details, then reset that username and password. And to um, try to turn on what we call two-factor authentication. So two-factor authentication, um, for people that don't know what that is, it's just um, you put your username and your password and it'll ask you for another code. So for a lot of applications today, um, that will be maybe an SMS or it will ask you to get a special code from some software. Um, That actually helps prevent people trying to get into your email. So if you did provide your email details by accident, for example, then they would need that other number in order to then get into your email. Yep, exactly. Um, So a question for you about all the spam and scams that come through people's email. Um, My husband's been targeted at the moment for some reason. And Mm. I know a lot of other people are finding the same thing. I'm seeing, seeing on social media, a lot of people are complaining that all of a sudden they're getting 
so much more spam than they ever got before. The spam filters don't appear to be working. Do you have any idea of what's going on there? Has a person been put on a, some kind of a list that's been shared around? Um, are they getting smarter at evading spam, spam filters? So the amount of spam and scams that are going on at the moment is incredibly high. Um, so spam filters, you know, they're putting new rules in all the time. Um, I feel that, you know, Google and Microsoft do a pretty good job of filtering out a lot of it because it is a lot out there at the moment. What people can do to actually help themselves is quite a few different things. Number one is, first of all, be careful of where you put your email address when you're subscribing to different services. Um, I have a, a separate email address, which I use to sign up to anything that I know that I don't really need to receive those emails. It's, it's for. like a throwaway email. It's a throwaway email or a burn-on um, email where you use that email address for things that, you know, you don't, you don't really need to correspond with that person anymore, but they are forcing you to actually enter an email address to download a particular report or something like that. Yeah. So the less that you use your email to subscribe, to, your real email to subscribe to things, the better. That's the number one thing. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is, yes, yeah, spam filters. That's obviously important. And also be careful of where you put your email address. So don't put it on social media in your Facebook or your LinkedIn or whatever social media account you use. Don't put it there. Because or your phone number. Or your phone number for that matter, <laughs> exactly. phone number off as well. And your dress. <laughs> yes. Oh, and your dress and your personal bank accounts and exactly license Take Keep all those things offline. <laughs> keep all of those things offline, your website especially. So small businesses, this is mm. a really important one for you. Just be careful of putting your personal yeah. email address on websites because yep. there are, you know, applications that or um, services that go out and actually search for email addresses and they will add those email addresses to a lot mm. of these um, um, spam services. Yeah, one thing that I recommend for small businesses actually use a contact form. Don't put any email address on there right. because even a business email address can end up with a huge amount of spam being sent to it. So a contact form where somebody has to fill it in um, and in some cases you can get an IP address from that contact form and block that annoying, annoying um, stuff that's coming from that IP. Correct, yeah. Um, the other question I had for you was with these um, spam emails, I'm noticing something interesting with the spam emails that, I mean, for a long time, they've been stealing legitimate people's emails. So when you open it up, mm -hmm. you see the from address might have uh, a legitimate um, service or name on it. For instance, it might say something like um, Telstra uh, customer service. But when you click on the email and it drops down, you see it's some random person's email. And in fact, if you were to Google that email, you could find that it was a legitimate person, person's email that was stolen. Yes. And then in the, in the sent to section, or the sorry, the reply to section, it has something like, I've been noticing a lot of Telstra, Woolworths type, just big department stores in the reply to. What's happening there? How do they get hold of these um, email addresses to send from and that reply to address, why does it say something like Woolworths 
um, you know, info at Woolworths.com. So first of all, when it comes to email <laughs> hacking, there's a world. <laughs> Without giving too much away. <laughs> um, unfortunately, a lot of people reuse passwords. That's one of our biggest issues. People will use the same, um, you know, password for subscribing to a particular service, their bank, their um, work email, any application that they use. When a hacker or a cyber criminal obtains those details, what they do is they just say, they make an assumption that a lot of people do reuse their passwords. So they will use that, your um, email address and that password that they have found and try to actually access your email. So that is so they one access of the- your email account that way. Exactly. Because they okay. assume and they know that majority of people can't remember all the hundreds of passwords that we have to um, create and they rely, they rely on that and they then try that combination and in a lot of cases they are successful. So they're hacking into people's email accounts email. to send those emails out yes. and giving a very general reply to address, which might be telstra.com or something like that. That's Just right. So and that no one can find them and no one can contact them back and say, go exactly. away. You. And they're forwarding actually the response back to um, another email address potentially as well. So that's, yes. So you need to check forwarding rules as well. And don't open them. Don't open and those don't emails open because if once you open a scam email, they get a little light goes off that says, oh, there's a, a, a person at the end of that, um, account and email and there you get more exactly correct yeah interesting now you mentioned before something about uh if you get money stolen from you to report that straight away and that brings me into my next question which is one of the biggest scams over the last couple of years that i've heard is increasing exponentially at the moment is the small business email compromise scam which where a scammer intervenes an invoice. So basically they compromise your email. They find out who your provider list is. So you might be getting um, um, goods from a provider. They intercept and copy an invoice and send you an invoice that says, be aware our account, bank account details have changed. We, um, we've changed our bank. You now have to pay us here. And there have been some very well-known cases of, of small business users who've paid up to $50,000, $200,000 in one case or I heard, even to more. a scammer <clears throat> via the changed account. So what are we seeing in that area? And what can, because some very smart people have been caught out by this. This isn't just naivety. It's, um, it's people that, that, you know, are really switched on that are getting caught out in this particular scam. Are we seeing increases in that scam? That's a great question, Lidoni. I um, BEC is one that I would love to talk about because it affects a lot of small businesses. What do you, what they, do you call it? BEC. BEC, what's, Business what's Email it? Compromise. Right. Okay, Business yes. Email Compromise. Yep. So what a lot of... Um, and, and the other thing that I wanted to mention is that they not only do it by email, but some people are so confident that they will actually call this person and actually say to them, look, we've changed your uh, bank account details. I know. Um, we're all going to receive an email with the updated details as well. So they're getting cleverer and cleverer. I know why they're doing that because um, 
one of the things that I've always said to people is if you get an, uh, any message from that, doesn't matter how legitimate it is, phone the company back and make sure that it has actually come from you. So they've twigged onto that and they're already preempting that. Correct. But your, you know, your recommendation still stands. If you receive an invoice which is telling you that the details have changed, it doesn't hurt to call and confirm. And don't call the phone number on the on email. email. Yes, correct. <laughs> don't. <laughs> you should always, you know, if you have a relationship with that particular company, call them on that number rather than the one that is on the email. That's that's correct. That so process is is probably one of the the best solutions to that particular um, scam. The other thing is if you um, have the ability to do it to have another level of approval so anything over a certain amount of money you just make sure that the, if there's somebody else in your business that you get them to actually prove it and check it as well yeah i heard that somebody did have that and it still went through yeah. so the best one um, is to call for sure yeah jackie what's happening when people lose this money uh, are you hearing reports of anybody getting it back it depends on the problem with um, these types of scams is that a small business is very busy mm. and they might not realise that the money didn't go through until quite a few weeks later. So mm. by the time they contact the bank, sometimes it's quite hard to retrieve that money again. So like I said before, the, as soon as you actually um, find out that you are a victim of potential fraud is to really contact your bank straight away. And the police yeah. or Scamwatch or who's and the other? Yes, also to Scamwatch. Um, reporting it to Scamwatch helps to um, people to understand any new types of scams that are coming up. So then we, the Scamwatch can actually warn more people as well. So yeah. that's really important, that step. And also, yes, the um, to report it through cyber.gov.au um, is also a good place to report it as well. Yeah. And if it's a case of your, um, your identity being stolen, to have, uh, to have something, an account set up in your name, which ba basically steals money from you, ID Care is also another place that's really good to help you change everything around so you can get um, your identity back because that can be really difficult as well. Um, before, um, just before we, when we were talking, you were mentioning running antivirus on a computer. And this is another question I have for you that I know a lot of um, people are very lax in doing, which is not only um, updating their antivirus and setting it to scan automatically, but I do know a lot of people don't want to buy antivirus products anymore because they feel that the products that are built into the operating system, whether it's Win Windows or Android or or Apple are good enough. What's the thinking on that these days, Jackie? Do we have to go out and buy an extra antivirus software and, and keep you know, upgrading that and paying a subscription for it? So a lot of the new operating systems, they have very good antivirus, firewall and um, security embedded within the actual operating system. So for example, Windows 10, um, Windows Defender is a, is, is a very good product. Mm. What When I recommend um, getting an antivirus solution is the one 
other is when you have an older computer or one that has an operating system which can't be upgraded because it is an old computer. Okay. Those ones, yes, highly recommend that you, you have antivirus on it. And this brings me to another point which is important is a lot of parents, you know, when you have a particular, an old device, either a mobile phone or a laptop, a lot of the time you would hand that to your child because yes. you want the latest one, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair enough. Um, but a lot of that time it's so old that it actually doesn't have great security on it. So you might want to, you know, make sure that antivirus and it's, is, is um, installed on there and that the security settings on those older devices are really set. So that was going to be my second question was about um, mobile devices. Um, there's always, I have always seen a debate uh, online about mobile devices um, with some security people saying, yes, you should probably have an antivirus software on there. Some people saying it really doesn't do anything, the antivirus software on a mobile phone, because each app is separate. We don't have a, um, a single file system, although now we do have file systems on our phone that are connected to the cloud. So for instance, you can have an iCloud um, file system that connects to the cloud. What's your thinking about antivirus software for mobile phones? So again, it depends on the type of phone. So for Apple devices, I feel that it is... <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm there's going to be people like, here that are going to be debating on this. I know, there is, always, there is always a debate, particularly with the Apple fanboys and girls yeah. about yeah. the security on Apple devices. <laughs> I, I feel it doesn't need it. Um, mm. For Apple devices, Android, yes, I think it does need it. Oh, you get all the That's Android. Personal opinion. Oh, no, I'm going to get Android a lot of people getting mad at me. screaming about that, yeah. So, so that's interesting. But on that, yes. though, it's... I think mm. the important thing to remember is it's all about, you know, kind of risk and if you're, and being careful. So if you're going to do a lot of shopping online, for example, going to vis visit lots of different sites that you don't really know, um, maybe, yeah, I think some, having antivirus is actually really um, important there. The last question, um, Jackie, is about awareness and education around cybersecurity, particularly for people in, in small business that are often um, challenged with their with their their workflow and their cash flow, um, and it can sometimes be the last thing that they really consider until a disaster happens. Their computer is completely hacked. Their database is locked up by some kind of ransomware scam. How do we improve education and awareness around cybersecurity uh, for, pe for people in small business? So one of the <laughs> good questions. <laughs> Uh, besides, obviously, looking into Cinch. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what Cinch does. We're, we're focused on just helping our micro to small businesses with this particular problem because um, there's not many organisations out there that are really focusing on that and trying to help those small businesses. What I can say is that the government also have been doing a lot of work on this recently, which is fantastic. So, you know, the cyber.gov.au website has a, has a section now for helping small businesses and what they actually should be doing. Mm -hmm. That is um, one resource that I would recommend to go and look at. Okay, the I'll other thing is to sign up to, to Scam Watch yeah. as yes. well. 
Um, yes. They send out um, really great alerts on you know the latest scans that are happening. They they've got also... a, they've got a Facebook page too. So if you if you don't want to get uh, an email, you can sign up to their Facebook page and and get alerted when things when things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where do you see online security and safety in the next two years from the fallout from this pandemic with uh, technology? really having to accelerate because of the use of it that we know there's going to be a lot of people that will not go back into offices where they're going to be in secure environments and using you know secure equipment they will um, may well do continue working from home so are you seeing anything uh, positive perhaps in the future that might come out of this that will help everyone to to stay a little safer online there's a lot of, uh, one of the positives that I see out of this is that people have had to learn to become digitally um, literate very quickly. So mm -hmm. parents and teachers and um, everybody, we're having to, we were forced pretty much down this route, but it's actually been good for us because we've worked out that we actually really can do, did, we can use computers, we can use technology um, to our advantage. What I also see is, from, as a positive, is there's a lot more attention on security as well. Um, so there are software companies that are making sure that security is embedded into products. Mm. There's also a lot of companies that don't. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> a lot <that> Zoom. <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> um, so always, I mean, I guess one of my messages is that any app or any, you know, software that you're installing, you know, do your research, have a look at the reviews, look at the default settings to see whether or not, you know, they've turned on your, you know, your camera um, when they don't really need to turn on your camera or to use your location services when they don't really need to use your location services. That's inherent in a lot of the different software that's out there. Um, but I see in terms of positive, yet a lot, a lot of the big players are starting to take security a lot more seriously, yeah. um, which is, is good. And the government are working um, really hard with a lot of the security industry as well. They're working a lot more in partnership. And um, as I always say to the students that I, that I talk to, think about a career in cybersecurity because mm -hmm. it's a, an area where you can almost be guaranteed a job at the end of your of your course at the moment. Would you agree with that? Particularly oh. girls. Exactly. It yes. Super cool. It is very cool. Security as a girl is. or a woman. Hmm? It definitely <laughs> is. I love it. Like every day is different. Um, you can go down so many different paths. I love helping people. Um, that's one part that I really enjoy about my job. I get to actually do that, which is nice. And it's super interesting that changes every day. Like you never get bored. That's for sure. And as you said, um, if you're a girl as well, like we need a lot more diversity in security, mm. different ways of actually tackling these problems. Um, yes. If you think about half the population, we're women. So we want to be able to talk to all kinds of different people and especially in the cyber safety, cyber security, um, we need to be able to educate people and speak simply to be able to, you know, portray things in a different way so people understand it and really try to get that message out to as many people as we can. Thank you so much for being my guest today, Jackie, on the Digital Families podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you. 
Um, I'm going to put all the details about Cinch um, in the post and underneath this video so people can find out a little bit more about the platform, which is a fabulous platform. It offers um, different sorts of subscriptions for small businesses to get help and advice from cybersecurity professionals such as yourself. Is that a correct way of describing it? It is. And we work out, okay, what are the things that you need to actually do um, and really put it in bite-sized chunks and actionable um, ac actions. <laughs> actionable actions. Actionable yeah. actions. Yeah. 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 What's, it's a fantastic idea and, and really well needed out of there. Um, I know this from my conversations with other women in small business. I run a small business um, that have a lot of questions, but with everything that's on everybody's mind at the moment, it's one that is just as important. Your, um, I, I, I read on the website that it, I think it said um, it was a cybersecurity fitness Company, fitness that that's right, right. yes that's You're right which is an interesting terminology but yes we need to look after our own health and the health of our devices and our Correct. business because like everything else you don't want to wait until disaster strikes and you realize you've lost everything and and as i if i had a t-shirt that i would wear in my presentations it would say backup 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'd like that T-shirt as well. Yeah, back up, back up. <laughs> Only a few people would understand what that means. It's got nothing to do with driving a car. But if you have all your data backed up in several places, mine's backed up now in three different places, um, I, short of having it on a hard disk buried in the back of the garden, should there be a fire and, uh, and Apple iCloud disappear or something like that. Um, I did go to an extreme at one stage by putting all my stuff on a hard drive and giving it to my my parents that live about 30 kilometres away from me in case something happened. But yes, back up, back up, back up. You know where to go then if uh, something does happen, huh? That's, <laughs> only my, that's only my stuff though. <laughs> I'm not saving the world with it. Fantastic. Lovely to talk with you, Jackie. Have a great day. Um, and I look forward to catching up with you another time. Maybe we can talk about women in cybersecurity at some point. That would be a very interesting conversation. I'm not in cybersecurity. I'm cyber safety. That's a whole level, several levels down from what you do. But it sounds like a fascinating area. Yes. And I'd love to come on another um, and speak about that topic for sure. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Digital Families podcast, everybody. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review or some feedback on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I love to hear what you think about our topics. Maybe you've got a suggestion for a future guest and tune in again next week for our next chat about all things digital and how it affects families and today, small business and families. Thank you.